Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Namaste, reverence to the divine within you, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time for opening our hearts and our minds to the infinite. Um, When we think about yoga, we understand that yoga means oneness, union, or unity, bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature. It's helpful to know and to think about yoga being both that goal, but also the way to it, the way to realize a fulfilled living right here, right now, in this lifetime. And that's going to be our topic today, the secret to success. And we're blessed to be joined by Rod Stryker. Rod is the founder of Parayoga and author of uh, the really wonderful book called The Four Desires, which um, is one that I've read and come back to again and again. It's um, about creating a life of purpose happiness, prosperity, and freedom, the the four Vedic goals of life, but it's just full of practical advice about um, how to use spiritual tools to do that. Rod is widely considered one of the preeminent yoga, tantra, and meditation teachers in the U.S., and he's taught for more than 30 years, training teachers and leading corporate seminars, yoga retreats, and workshops throughout the world. He's a student of internationally renowned yoga master, Kavi Yogiraj Mani Finger, and and his son, Yogi Raj Allen Finger Rod, later became his teacher's only American disciple to be given the title Yogi Raj, Master of Yoga. And he met his current teacher, Pandit Rajmani Tigunayat, who, who is uh, the head of the Himalayan Institute in 1999. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Rod. It's so delightful to be connecting with you again. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's an honor to be back with you again as well. So before we start our conversation, um, let's just take a moment to center a moment of meditation. One infinite divine life. One power, one presence surrounds us. It's in everyone and everything, every circumstance, that power is there. Every situation, that power is there. And this power not only surrounds us, but it indwells us. It is the divine essence that is present within you. And so let's simply take this moment to move our awareness from the periphery of our minds, from 
thought, from sense impression. Let's just intend to move our awareness into the depths of our being. And you can think of that as your heart, your essence. And you can use your breath to do that. It's so simple. Any moment we want to, just breathing in, we can feel that we're diving in into this infinite ocean of divine consciousness, divine peace, divine bliss that is within us. And any time we do this, we can so powerfully shift our attention from being caught up in thought activity, even identified with it, to coming back into the seat of conscious awareness that we are the witness to our thoughts, to circumstances. And just know... I am. Be reminded of your innate divinity. I am that, that divine supreme consciousness. And when you do that, feel the peace of the soul filling your mind and body. And then let's agree to take this peace with us wherever we go today, just letting it do what it does, overflowing as a blessing for all beings everywhere. Our topic today is success, and of course we're going to be looking at you know, what spiritual practice has to do with uh, success in life. And uh, I wanted to start with this drawing uh, some inspiration from Paramahansa Yogananda, which, Rod, I appreciated so much in your book, of course, as a devotee in that lineage of Kriya Yoga, I appreciated so much that you include um, some very powerful reflections by Paramahansa Ji in your book. And here's one. Um, Yogananda said, we have to live. Why not live in the highest way? And uh, I mentioned in our opening, the Vedic goals of life, as uh, and they are dharma, our uh, understanding our purpose in life, you know, and then out of that, knowing, um, you know, what we what we should be up to in harmony with that purpose. Um, and a goal, of course, is to prosper, not for its own sake, but in order to uh, support dharmic living, kama. Pleasure, that's one everybody's always happy to know about, <laughs> that the spiritual life um, is supposed to be a fulfilling and fulfilled life, and uh, also the goal of moksha, or liberation, to find freedom, enlightenment in this lifetime. And in your book, um, which is about these four desires or four goals in life, creating a life of purpose, happiness, prosperity, and freedom, and you offer so much practical support uh, to see how we can focus on these goals, how we can know what they are, um, and how to attain them. And uh, you have in there a basic practice of creating what you've called a Dharma code, which is a personal statement of what of what guides our life, you know, our purpose, our intention, and a sankalpa, uh, an intention or resolution to achieve a specific outcome that is related um, to to our higher purpose, our higher goals. So let's start with um, getting in touch with our innate drive to succeed in in life. How do you see that um, for us, Rod? It seems that you know we all are kind of impelled from within uh, to succeed. So what's that about? Well, I I think you captured it beautifully. I do think that we are compelled. The interesting thing is if we take it out of the context of the human endeavor to be happy or to pursue the highest, uh, we look at nature and you see it in abundance in nature. In fact, it is the driving purpose we see throughout nature. So a tulip bulb will do all it can to bloom into a tulip and a 
tiger cub will do all it can spontaneously, just through its actions, its every breath. It is becoming the tiger that was the seed of the tiger. That was within the very innate qualities of it. Same thing in a chestnut tree. The chestnut seed wants to become the tree. And it's really interesting because that we have to have this conversation in a sense because it's really as human beings who have the most free will who sometimes, even oftentimes, veer away from that innate desire to excel, to fully be uh, ourselves. And and so it's really, it's innate. It's truly part of the seed and uh, of who we are. Um, And we could say, in the same way that the Gita calls it out, the Bhagavad Gita, which is really, you know, in many, many ways, it's probably the most helpful book to look to the yoga of living. It just reminds us of something very simple, and that is that if we are pursuing that innate drive to be fully ourselves, then we'll be happy. Irrespective of the outcome of that endeavor, if we're not pursuing that innate drive to be fully ourselves, we won't be happy, no matter how successful we are. Mm, And then the mm -hmm. teaching goes on to say, really, I mean, when we look at the whole of the teaching of of that scripture, the practice of yoga, in a sense, is really helping us Um, as you led this meditation so beautifully and reminded us, there's this innate fullness, there's this innate completion, an innate truth, reality to who we are. And as our minds become more quiet, the whole notion of the practice of yoga is really to get reminded of and feel or get connected back to the very stream of that desire to be fully ourselves. And so what I tell people is really the reason we do yoga is to make very good decisions when we're not doing yoga. (laughs) It's to hear the call of our own soul, and when we're not actually on the mat or on our meditation cushion or doing our meditation, that we're actually feeling the fullness of who we are and not at the mercy of the distractions and the confusions and the doubt that naturally comes up as human beings. And so it is truly as natural as the next, next breath we want the next breath that we take Mm -hmm. is this innate desire to excel. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the further we get away from that innate uh, calling or longing of the soul, the more we struggle. Mm -hmm. And really, it's almost as though if we're giving service to that innate, powerful and compelling force, we 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 will have fulfillment. We will be fulfilled, even if the conditions in our life are not so perfect. Mm-hmm. The real goal, <clears throat> the real intention of life itself, and again, it's just in line with this innate drive to be fully ourselves, is to act on it and is to mm-hmm. serve that, that great mm-hmm. force. And you mentioned, um, you know, such an important piece of this, Raj, you know, talking about what we learn in the Bhagavad Gita, that it is... It is living um, from the soul, following that innate yearning that brings us uh, fulfillment and joy um, rather than the achievement of a particular result. And um, that's such an interesting paradox, you know, for us to learn about and to navigate Um and, you know, I find that all the time, you know, in my own life and, and working with students that, you know, okay, where is this line between being really dedicated to achieving something that I know is mine to do and yet holding it loosely enough that I'm not uh, all about being tied to a particular outcome, you know, I don't, I don't hitch my um, my boat of happiness in the world to a particular outcome. So that that tension is always there, you know, whether or not, you know, we should be definite with the infinite about, you know, what it is that we feel, you know, we should accomplish and achieve, and then measure success by that, or um, whether we should lack uh, specificity, and so. Um, you've done a masterful job of guiding people through that. So um, tell us about that little tightrope there. It's, it's such a... I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up because I do think 
it is one of the, uh, if we face anything as spiritual practitioners, any, any kind of major quandary or there seems to be a gap, I think you just spoke to it beautifully. Uh, let me just, uh, to answer your question and speak on it, let's just wind back and in a sense do our best to try and briefly define the soul because <clears throat> it's easy to, kinda, uh, to, to just run with a, a, portion, uh, a partial understanding of it and make a lot of assumptions based on it. Uh, uh, assumptions or decisions about our life and how we should act. So it's, it, here's another quandary. The soul is innately full. So the, the Vedic tradition uses one, one way of describing that as Satchitananda. So it's inherently just being or existence, it's awareness, and it's bliss. And that's the nature of the soul. And very much we hear about that. I think that's probably the part of it that gets more part of the, the description or the quality of the soul that get more press or that are more, get more attention in the yoga world. But the other aspect of the soul, called the jiva, is, this, is inherently full and yet has purpose. And I, and I make that, just uh, I mention that, uh, speak to this in the book, and, I, I, and when I just say, look, a, you know, a, a, as I spoke about, a pumpkin seed wants to become a pumpkin and a tomato seed wants to become a tomato. And it's as if the drive to be the tomato is part of its own essence, its innate intelligence. And so you have, this, here's, here's the seemingly uh, almost contradictory notion that I find it's challenging for people to grasp, which is, on the one hand, the soul is perfect, complete. <laughs> it needs nothing to add it onto itself in order to be a success, in order to be exalted and glorified. And at the same time, while it's complete, and perfect, as it were, it also has a drive to become. It also has the drive to fully flourish. And that it must do through this world where we have things like, uh, descriptives like good and bad and success and failure. And so when it enters into the world, it is a little bit more challenging because the perfection now has to interface with the we'll call it the imperfection or the duality of the world, and then there is this success and failure challenge. So what I really, uh, and again, it was implicit in your question, what I really uh, make the case for as we venture forward in purposeful living and intentional living is that, an, uh, is that we hold on to the perfection. We remember who we are at an essential level, at the soul or spiritual level, while we navigate duality. And mm-hmm. our ultimate success is not measured by whether or not we attain the things we hope to attain. Although I think we can increase the odds if we're strongly intentional. We can talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But, the other, but the piece is, and, and you said it beautifully, you said this idea of loosening our grip on the outcome or that mm-hmm. our happiness depends on it. And this is really, in a sense, why meditators and yogis have this advantage of, of, of working in the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Mm-hmm. Our wholeness is found in our practice, in our connection to self and spirit. And as though we want to bring more glory to our creator and to the self, we then enter into life. And we say, the best I can do in my life, it, it, uh, the best effort I can make to serve this glory, glory itself, is open to the results. Man proposes, the universe disappears. Mm-hmm. But I still hold on to the beauty and the completeness of who I am in the midst of that journey into the world. That was a beautiful uh, exposition of walking that, that tightrope of, um, you know, what I call being definite with the infinite and, you know, open to the powerful flow of divine grace. And when we look at the life and the readings of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, he was such a beautiful example, you know, of a strong yogi who, you know, was so open uh, to the infinite, but not at all afraid of setting goals and using his will and uh, he would say, you know, use your will, <laughs> you, you know, use your ability to bring things forth, but let your uh, will be guided by divine will. And so in the next uh, segment coming up, uh, let's talk about, um, 
you know, what happens, you know, when we set goals and uh, we, we hit those obstacles uh, along the way? You know, does being open mean that we just give up or do we press on? You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our special guest today, Rod Stryker, the founder of Parayoga and author of um, the fabulous book, The Four Desires, Creating a Life of Purpose, Happiness, Prosperity, and Freedom. And I want to let you know that there's a Rod uh, told me this morning that in the works is a is a new workbook um, for this book that is going to, I'm sure, make it even more accessible and practical. So you can go to um, parayoga.com and um, find out more about that workbook coming. We'll look for it, uh, he said, in about a month. So we'll be right back with you in just a moment. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Rod Stryker, author of the book, The Four Desires, Creating a Life of Purpose, Happiness, Prosperity, and Freedom. And we, we were talking in the first segment about this innate urge to uh, express and um, to fulfill our purpose uh, in in this lifetime being here in the world and uh, I, w- I was mentioning um, the strength that we can feel in the writing and of course I have been blessed uh, to for uh, to have as my guru Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, direct disciple Roy Eugene Davis who has told us you know what it was like to be in his presence and uh, there's a one of his sayings that you quote in your book Rod that uh, Paramahansa Ji said it's better to die struggling than to abandon your efforts while there is still a possibility of accomplishing something more. Analyze what you are, what you wish to become, and what shortcomings are impeding you. Decide the nature of your true task, your mission in life. Endeavor to make yourself what you should be and what you want to be. Um, so powerful. And, you know, I find that many um, students on the spiritual path are, are very timid about taking that kind of stance you know it's like well what if i'm wrong um you know i don't want to fail and um you know so 
you do such a beautiful job of supporting people in being willing, you know, to approach life with courage and um, giving them uh, some tools for, you know, how to navigate uh, along the way. So maybe you could talk about a couple of those tools. I'd love to talk about the tools. And, and by the way, that quote, as many as other, it is in the book, and as many as as much as any other quote I can think of really is the seed of that, of that whole book, of the mm. years I've spent on that, uh, uh, both writing it and teaching it, uh, this idea of finding your true mission in life and then taking it on and serving it, and, mm-hmm. uh, rel- almost I want to say relentlessly. And you, and you have in, in your book, in one of the tools that I think would be great to talk about is this importance of adjustment. And that's right there in this quote. You know, Paramahansaji says, you know, analyze uh, what you are, what it is, you know, you feel, you know, is your divine work to do. Um, and what is impeding you? And so you, you have many wonderful stories in the book about how people come to workshop. And, you know, we see this at the center all the time. You know, come, they hear the message. That's true. And it resonates with the soul. They get inspired. You know, they take off. And life immediately responds. <laughs> and yep. then for some reason, you know, there's a, there's a crash and then a discouragement, you know, of not being able to pull it off. And so it's this stage of analyzing, you know, which he talked about. What's impeding you? So you, you talk about this as adjustment I, in the I book. I do, I do. And just for our listeners, uh, I think it's important uh, because you spoke this idea of uh, especially spiritual seekers and people who are fairly committed to the spiritual path um, sometimes are timid around claiming their, uh, their intentions in the world and, and honoring them, <clears throat> essentially honoring them by fully investing or uh, 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 really empowering themselves to pursue them and giving themselves permission to pursue them. I think this is very common. Um, and I think the most important, almost the foundation of understanding the significance of first uh, recognizing these deep-seated intentions, these 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 lungs of the heart, as it were, um, is, is really first just seeing that the human being can never be that far away from desire. Fundamentally, every, if we follow the Vedic wisdom, every thought is rooted in a desire, and we know that every action is rooted in desire. Right now, the way I'm sitting, there was a desire that determined that I would do it. Uh, the very words I'm using come out of a desire. Everything we do and think first is born from desire. And so therefore, we should really rid ourselves of the notion that we can be without desire while in the world. Now it's a question of, can we find helpful ones? And ones that really serve the greater good, that serve Dharma, as it were. And the notion of it, now I'll, I'll turn to the, really the heart of your question, which is, what happens when we find that and we feel the calling of it, we're inspired and we're motivated, and then we start to run into challenges. Uh, and the universe isn't giving us the immediate reward or reinforcement that we pick the right one or that, lo and behold, we don't even know whether or not it'll, be, it'll come to fruition. Mm-hmm. There's a few things, and you're right. I take a very practical uh, a kind of... We really get down to it in, in, at, in this portion of the process because, lo and behold, for every worthwhile desire, there's some resistance, uh, whether it's external or internal. Well, and sure, we, because if, if the resistance wasn't there, we would already be already manifesting it. <laughs> precisely, precisely. And, you know, and, and frankly, I think in this day and age, uh, there's just as much resistance as ever, if not more, for things that are dharmic. For things that serve the greater good, there may be more resistance. Uh, we can think of negative desires, not that we want to spend a lot of time thinking of them, but it's actually fairly easy to fulfill destructive or non-constructive desires in this day and age. Maybe a little harder to fulfill noble desires. So the question then is, is really attempting to, as, as, you, as you quote your, your master, your grandmaster, we have to do some analyzation. We have to do some reflection about what is the what is the compelling resistance here. Now, what I speak to Alan in the book, and and really I think this is the pivotal part of the process, frankly, is 
recognizing to what extent it's our internal resistance that is keeping, mm-hmm. from, keeping sure. us from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't forget that when we do this process of selecting a worthwhile desire to, to pursue, for the most part, that's a conscious decision. And, uh, you know, we can lean into Western psychology a little bit here and just say, look, there is the conscious mind, but clearly there's the unconscious. And the unconscious, to a great extent, has more influence on our choices from moment to moment than our conscious one. And I have found over the years that this work, what I call uh, identifying the decalpa, decalpa, culpa, uh, it, in, in the, 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 let's say the traditional meaning of that word is thought construct. It's a, it's a way of separating oneself from the vast, infinite reality of which we are a part. So we have thought constructs about our self-worth and thought constructs about uh, whether the universe is fair or thought constructs about relationships and parents and uh, coworkers. Those are, those are thought constructs. But in the book, I, make, I go even a little deeper into the roots of that term. Kalpa means rule that we follow above all others. And V means that which separates us or disconnects us from the soul. So there are these rules or ideas that we follow, and they become our default. As it were, they're the kind of innate desire. These are these desires that have been acquired as opposed to innate. And they're desires that come up again and again and again. And typically they are, uh, you know, having taught the process for 15 years and interface with thousands of people in the process. Their desires like things like not wanting to surpass one's parents or not wanting to, uh, not wanting to deal with the discomfort of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I really, I, I put a lot of examples of them in, in the workbook so people can begin to imagine that if this was the deeper driving desire, this is when unconsciously we were committed to, mm-hmm. it really would sabotage all of our most aspirational conscious ideas and desires. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, one, one thing that is helpful to, to recognize in this process is that these um, acquired um, desires um, mm-hmm. were initially beneficial, you know, oftentimes they are some kind of protective mes- a mechanism, you know, that that served us. Um, but we get to a certain point where they're still on autopilot, but they're no longer serving. And so, you know, I find, you know, it can be easier to uproot them if we understand that, you know, perhaps at the time we acquired them, um, mm-hmm. they actually served some purpose and, and were useful. And that, you know, uprooting them, seeing what they are, you know, we can have compassion for how we acquired them. And then I think more easily let them go by understanding that, you know, now that need is going to be filled in a different way, a more positive way. Yeah, excellent. In fact, this is a kind of update to this process that I've included in the workbook. And because I want people to put it in a positive, I mean, mm-hmm. in a, in exactly as you describe it, I actually want people to identify the desire in its positive form, mm-hmm. but its negative, its current negative impact that it's having on their perfect. life. Perfect, perfect. The way it yeah. creates an obstruction, as yeah. opposed to saying, I want to be alone so mm-hmm. that I, no one ever sees me fail. It's <laughs> truly, <Right. laughs> that's not it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a desire to stay happy, and that's, mm-hmm. that's actually what, as you described, that's actually the root mm-hmm. of uh, the, very often the, the kind of these seed, deep-seated desires that, um, that obstruct us from fulfilling our intention. Mm-hmm. So the, the exercise work is really uh, to do that around what are these internal, uh, really, roadblocks that we put up. And you can completely, you're right in the point that by acknowledging them, I, I tell a, st- a story in the book, and it's really one of the most compelling stories in the book, where someone was having, struggling with health issues for a long time, he was a uh, uh, teacher in the public school system in California, and uh, his health kept suffering and suffering and suffering. And no matter how much I, uh, he, he would lean into advice or guidance from me, 
Uh, I would give him various meditation resources and relaxation resources. His health kept declining. And really for almost a decade, he just, his health kept declining. And he make, kept making decisions that were sabotaging his desire to be healthy and thrive. And the long story of this, the short story, the short version of this is when he realized that it was what I mentioned earlier, this desire to not, uh, um, it was rooted in his almost ch- really a desire that had formed in childhood, which was to, in order to please his father, he didn't want to surpass his dad. Mm-hmm. And as a child, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we have to, even if there's a dysfunctional environment, we have to kind of make compromises in order to fit in and survive. Uh, But what happened later in his life is he kept sabotaging his rising above his father, if you will, and he was a very aspirational man with a lot to offer the world. When he recognized this, what was at one point, as you say, positive, life-saving, and survival mechanism, but now was truly sabotaging him, it was through that recognition that he changed his life, and now I will tell you that he's gone on to create award-winning schools in California. Mm-hmm. He's testified to the uh, uh, Department of Education on his, on his educational model because he, he takes these um, schools into low-income uh, uh, parts of uh, Southern California, and his graduation rate is fourfold what it is in other parts, in other school districts that have similar income. Mm-hmm. Uh, income. And that's um, such a beautiful example of how our getting free um, yeah. can help others the can good. help others get free. And so the the word that that you use um, in in your book is um, adjustment. And so you know it, it's really helpful to hear about this process, you know, and you, you're pointing people, I think, to the most powerful place, which is to start within, you know, what, uh, what are, you know, basically like the agreements that I have within myself, you know, that I made a long time ago that are no longer serving and are really showing up as an obstacle. But then, you know, once that awareness comes, adjustments have to be made. You know, we make an adjustment in consciousness, um, but then often there's the step of changing the behaviors outwardly that that are related, you know, to that old thought. Um, so we have a few minutes left in, in this segment, Rod. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how important and, and really how um, essential this, this adjustment phase is. I think so often, you know, we have the idea, okay, I'm on track, you know, I have this spiritual intention, I'm doing all my meditation, um, I'm doing all these positive things, um, and, and yet there's obstacles. And a lot of times people don't, um, you know, think that they're going to meet those kind of obstacles. And so when the time for adjustment comes, they're not ready for it. So tell us about the importance of, you know, using these skills to meet the obstacles that arise. You know, uh, the, the heart of the answer is really, it rises out of meditation. And, and, and one of the things that I was taught to look, that we lean into meditation to help us develop is this higher knowing, if you will. This self, the, the part of the mind, the purest part of the mind called buddhi, that really is on the doorstep of the, of the self or the soul. And, and it gives us uh, what I'll describe as knowingness, this gut, this inner instinct or intuition or clear seeing. And really it comes down to this. If we had done the work... We now see what our, we've identified Vicalpas. What was the old intention that is not serving me at this point? We first have to go, has that crept in unwittingly, even though I recognize this? It kind of crept in as an old pattern, just it's my default. And if it hasn't, Ellen, and you're asking this point, I think you're pointing in that direction. If it hasn't explicitly come up, we need to make, we constantly need to make adjustments. In a sense, uh, and where do we go to make those adjustments? Where do we get guidance? That's this inner knowingness, what we can even call the power to know. Uh, and it, it has to be such an alive part of my process and my meditation. Uh, I actually create a, a very simple tool to kind of check in with your, 
your inner knowingness, buddhi, or the higher aspect of it is, is we'll just call D, your intuition, and in which we, we really help. This is our power of discernment, and it gives us the assistance or the help in saying, is it my expectations? Am I wrapping myself too much in the fruits of the action and, and identifying too much and, and expecting, um, again, expecting uh, something to come Investing too, much, investing too much, as it were, in the result of my action? Is it the goal itself? And sometimes we actually need to titrate the goal down, or sometimes we simply need to persist. And when I say titrate the goal down, once we start this work, very often we get, we, it's, and it's wonderful, we get inspired and we get ambitious. So I'll use a simple example of someone who wants to publish a book, but they've never finished a manuscript. Now, if I make the goal, I publish my book, and I, as a writer, I'm sure you know very well, it's never the first draft. That's not the published book. It's many drafts. And so we need to somehow titrate it. It says, I'll write every day until I have my first draft. And I really encourage people to stay open to this inner, inner guiding, inner intelligence that tells them it's not a question. Uh, uh, um, it's not necessarily a question of I have to stay fixed on the goal to achieve it. What does my intuition tell me on a daily basis? Because very often it may just say, you know, I need to make a phone call. I need to ask for help. I need to go get more education. I need to enroll in, in a particular program that's going to empower me uh, and help me move toward it. I need to spend a little extra time in meditation. I need to journal on a daily basis. And in a way, these kinds of things, I'm, random things I'm throwing out, your intuition, all of our intuition, is firing constantly with inner guidance. It's a never-ending stream of inner guidance, not mental dialogue, not intellectual. It's at a gut level. And for some people, it'll be in the heart. For some people, it'll be in their belly, literally a, a gut feeling. And for others, it'll be more or less in their third eye area. Mm. And I really make the case that this is why, uh, in a sense, as meditators, we have an advantage because as the mind gets quiet and we train it to get quiet, the buddhi, this higher aspect of the mind, this guiding force, we'll call it the inner teacher, comes forward in ever more significant ways. Um, so a lot of it is learning to get still and ask. And, and it's not after your meditation. Take a moment. I recommend people do this at least once a week. After meditation, just write down what you heard. Behind the dialogue, of the, the chatter of mind, what was stirring deep in your heart? And if nothing specific about the particular goal you're, gonna, you're hoping you're uh, intending to achieve, just simply ask yourself. And, and writing... I write question, colon, knowing that uh, in, in my mind, the question is for my buddhi to answer. I yeah. get out of the way, and uh -huh. bear, I mean, instantaneously the answer comes. And, and, it's, always more, and it's always more decisive, uh -huh. clearer, and has ideas I never could have come up with intellectually. And after meditation <clears throat> is the ideal time. Of course, not during. So when we come back in our no. last segment, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. clarify that. We'll talk a little bit yeah. about meditation and really um, how that is the doorway to accessing um, contentment, which is one of the most powerful um, parts of uh, fulfilled living and really a successful living. You're listening to the Yoga Hour uh, with special guest Rod Stryker today, founder of Para Yoga. His website is parayoga, P-A-R-A, yoga.com. We'll be right back with you. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on mobile listening.
What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and we're talking today with Rod Stryker, the author of the book, The Four Desires, Creating a Life of Purpose, Happiness, Prosperity, and Freedom. And uh, Rod has let me know that there is now a, a new workbook uh, in the making that's going to be ready in about a month. So go to his website, parayoga.com. And um, get ready for a, even a more practical tool. I, I'm guessing it's going to be a really good progression on the book and also just a helpful way um, to track your progress uh, along the way. We've been talking about successful living and um, the, the urge to succeed um, that is within us, you know, to fulfill our purpose in this lifetime. Of course, the great purpose, the great dharma, to wake up uh, and to uh, to be free uh, spiritually, but also to do what we've come here to do. And um, right in your book, you give lots of really good tools for helping people discover, you know, what that is for them, and then to have the courage um, to claim it. Um, but let's look for a moment, you know, since people sometimes, you know, shy away a bit from being, you know, too definite about what they want. Um, you know, what are some downsides with being, you know, really definite about, you know, what it is we want and, um, you know, what is going to define that success for us? There are none <laughs> other than the following. So really the idea of being definite and my grand teacher summed it up as uh, I can, I will, I must achieve such and such. The only fault we can by getting too specific is one, if we don't believe it. In other words, if more than 50% of us doubts that we can achieve it, we should start with a different specific outcome. Number two, and this is really the end of the, I think, my, my sense of when it's harmful to be too specific, is do not wait to feel successful until you've achieved it. Mm. Take success with you wherever you go because Mm. you are already a success. Mm -hmm. And that success that I'm referring to is really your natural endowment, the soul Mm. itself. Um, I, I I read something recently that says it's wrong to say you have a soul. Mm-hmm. It's right to say you are a soul and you mm-hmm. have a body. Mm-hmm. And so your success is already guaranteed. And what we need to do is recognize that on a daily basis. And then if we say, well, my goal is to start a business, my goal is to start a charitable organization, my goal is to make more money, my goal is to meditate more, my goal is to be a more active member in my community, 
and see specific results. As long as we take success with us and we're not dependent on the outcome to, be, to feel successful, then there is no nothing that's too specific, provided it is, um, it is within our, well, we don't doubt that it can happen. At least, at least 51% of us believe it can happen. So mm-hmm. I would say there's no harm in being specific as long as you really believe that it's within your reach. And yeah, that is so helpful, and it, it's useful. You know, what I have found is that we have a specific goal in mind, and at the same time, we have the capacity to be open to the ways in which, you know, divine grace is uh, going to make it possible. And my experience has been, you know, not only what I can imagine, you know, I can do or can be accomplished in the work, but... But, you know, generally it's something so much bigger even than (laughs) what I can imagine. And so um, I I find it's helpful to have that starting point of, you know, okay, here's a goal, you know, that I have. And usually when I start with a goal, I think it's huge, you know, I think it's really big. (laughs) But then I find out, no, you know, the, the infinite allness of spirit has something so much bigger, so much greater. In mind, indeed, yeah. and, and you know, just one other thought as we're you know we're wrapping things up about this idea of intention. The, I would also make the case that it, it often, often happens that if we have not yet achieved our aim, which, as you say, can wind up being even bigger and more have greater implications than we ever could have imagined, and put us in different places. But it's not just that we are waiting for the universe to dispose it. I would actually say that the intelligence of the universe is waiting for us to grow and expand and be prepared to hold that thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's part of our earlier conversation where we talked about adjustment. Staying open to how we're going to grow and receiving and listening to that inner guidance so that we, in, we may be what the universe is waiting to, to change in order to have what we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, is really an important and vital piece in this. And uh, um, it, yeah. it's not necessarily something we think of at the beginning of setting an intention, but we may often have to change in order for that thing to come into our life and provide everything we're looking forward to it providing. <laughs> and I would say, um, Rod, I would I would highlight it and say, you know, we may have to change. Probably it's more likely we will have to change. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's the beauty of it because uh, fulfilling our swadharma, our individual um, purpose in life is the way that we grow. Um, it, it's the way... Um, you know, that we basically, uh, you know, express um, that innate divinity. It's been such a joy talking with you again, Rod, and having you come back to the Yoga Hour. I want to remind our listeners to visit your website, parayoga.com, and they can find information about the resources you've created, not only your book, but your CD and your upcoming uh workbook and um, there are several prior programs with Rod uh, in the Yoga Hour archives which you can get um, at at Unity um, online radio Um, the Yoga of Fulfilled Living um, the Secret of Success that we talked about before letting uh, spiritual wisdom guide us from uh, January in 2012 and Purusharta the first one we did on these four goals uh, for fulfilling your soul potential which was in September of 2011 so go online either at Unity uh, Radio Online or at uh, csecenter.org and uh, tune in to Rod uh, for those other really dynamic programs and I want to invite you back next week I'll be talking with um, guest Felicia Tomasco who is editor-in-chief of L Yoga Magazine, and we'll be talking about this journey of self-discovery, the dynamic balance of Ayurveda and yoga. And remember, please to visit us at csecenter.org, and there's an online class coming up now, the the Kriya Yoga Path of Spiritual Awakening, where I'm going to be offering a really... uh, Helpful introduction to Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. That's csecenter.org. And remember us um, 
at uh, Facebook and all those places where you uh, help others discover the Yoga Hour. I look forward to being with you again next week. And remember to always let your inner light shine into the world, to share your peace and your joy with all you meet. I want to give special thanks this morning to Vicki Martin, our producer for the program, and to Jeff Comfort, who's there in the sound booth, our sound engineer, uh, who makes it all happen. So thank you, and bye now. Bye, Rod. Thanks again. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. ever find yourself stuck slow down and breathe 
Bring to mind a person who you admire. Ask yourself, what actions would they take? Would they make a list of possibilities? How about making a list of the things that they're grateful for? Here's another. Reaching out and asking the person you admire for guidance. Finding yourself stuck is similar to being in a dark room with messengers of fear invading your goodness. Pick yourself up. Cut a hole in that wall and let the light in today. Get more inspiration. Listen to Clarity 101 with Glenda Gibbs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Take the first step. You're worth it. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.